This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. From the diamond, to the clubhouse, to the front office, this is the show that feeds the passion for all Twins fans. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer. Locally owned and operated, it's how memories are created and legends are made. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Locally owned and operated, it's how memories are created and legends are are made a beautiful day here in the twin cities twins of course are not here they are down at tropicana field wrapping up the weekend series against the tampa bay rays hoping to salvage one today before the road trip continues on to cleveland a four-game series with cleveland begins on monday night i'm Corey provis we thank you for joining us on our sunday show and our guest today is the general manager of the minnesota twins always great to catch up with thad levine thad good morning Thank you for having me on, guys. Great to be with you. Great to be back with you uh, once again. And Tampa Bay, an amazing team in the sense that what, I, what, I, what I've learned over the years now is that when Tampa Bay in the offseason, when they make a bold roster move, whether that's a trade or they non-tender a player, to me it's gotten to the point where I say to myself, it looks bad, but they know what they're doing. They, they seem to know what they're doing and what they have coming and in that, that plan, that philosophy, it's hard to duplicate, but for Tampa Bay, it works out perfectly well. It is remarkable, Corey. I think they've done such a phenomenal job. They deserve a great, great credit for what they've accomplished. And I think long was made of the, the money ball concept that was implemented by Oakland and inspired so many front offices to change the way they were doing business. And I think Tampa is certainly towards the top of the list in terms of being able to affect positive outcomes from that. I would say, you know, there's a lot of things that they do that historically other teams have been reluctant to do because we are trying to create a, a great chemistry and environment and morale in the clubhouse. And some of the things they do are just a little bit counter counterintuitive to that, whether it be, you know, they trade some of their star players, they, they, they sit some of their star players, they don't play them in certain circumstances but it's in a collective buy-in that the whole 26-man roster clearly has that allows them to excel like they do as a group because it's pretty remarkable. Is it a style, is it a not just a style of play, but a way that they build their roster that other teams are trying to, to copy? Have you noticed that uh, over the last you know five, six, seven years? I, I think one of the gifts that they do have, quite frankly, is just how small their market is, how small their payroll is, requires them to make moves that other teams don't have to make. So I think rather than trying to decide which stars to retain, they, they know that they're just going to have to trade each of them. And so they're constantly replenishing their minor league stock. They have more depth than most teams as a result of that. So they, they part way with, with today's stars to produce next tomorrow's stars. And I think they've just done an excellent job of building a roster that is extremely strong, one through 26, perhaps without the MVP candidate or the, the Cy Young candidate, although Blake Snell did win a Cy Young with them. 
but it's just one through 26. It's unrelenting. And then they have this farm system that constantly supports their major league team. And there's, there's almost no discernible drop off when they have to go call on some of their AAA players. And speaking of that, that's a good segue to this. Because they seem to always have pitching, is that what made the Nelson Cruz trade back in July an ideal pairing to kind of send Nelson to a team that would love to have that right-handed batting DH, but then also dip into that talent-rich pool of pitching that the Rays seem to always have? Well, Corey, I think you just illuminated one of our strategic decisions that we made at the trade deadline this year, which was, we felt we had some really talented players that we could take to market, players that we had hoped were going to help us win a championship here in Minnesota. Other teams regarded them similarly. So we then had Brad Style, heads up our player personnel department, map those players against the teams that we thought had the most attractive uh, farm systems. And Tampa Bay certainly comes up very with roses in that regard. And so when we looked at all the teams that had interest in Nelson Cruz, all the teams that had interest in Jose Burrios and others, we really tried to narrow the field to the teams that had the most attractive players that we wanted to pursue. So as much as teams were, were pursuing Jose Burrios and Nelson Cruz, we were, we were pursuing uh, Stratman, Ryan, uh, Martin, and Simeon Woods-Richardson. And so th- that's where those pairings really mapped perfectly together. Was it somewhat risky, though, identifying those minor league players that you think are going to fit into what you were seeking, but without a minor league season last year? You know, where are these guys at in in their development? Was that more challenging because there was no minor league season to scout these guys last year? Well, I I think you you hit the nail on the head there. All all of our systems, every team system is really the backbone of them, are scouting reports and statistical performance. We missed a full season last year of that. So we're we're dealing with less information than we ever had been at this trade deadline, which makes you a little bit inherently uneasy as you're trading proven major league talent for future prospect talent because you're dealing with less information than you ever had. That's where you know you just try to rely a little bit more on uh, the scouts' current uh, assessments of them and any homework we can do relative to these guys' work ethic, personalities, and what they're going to be like when they when we get them because we did miss a year of, of, uh, of minor league development for them. And we saw it impact our own players as, you know, we, we saw with guys like Trevor Larnick and Hilberto Celestino, we're Ben Rorkvet. We're bringing guys to the big leagues with fewer plate appearances at the AA and AAA level than we ever had. You know, I'm sure Danny can attest to this. You know, typically guys got somewhere above 500 plate appearances at AA and AAA with, with few exceptions, even the best hitters in the game. We're bringing guys to the big leagues who had never set foot at AAA. We're bringing guys to the big leagues who have 120, 150 plate appearances at AA and AAA combined. When you're doing that, you're doing it with some level of faith based upon the fact that they missed a season and where they would be if they had had, had that season. Well, I think we approached the trade deadline and with the same light. What was your uh, takeaway from watching Joe Ryan in his uh, big league debut back on Wednesday? Yeah, I, I think it was encouraging. I, for, first and foremost, I mean, what strikes me is his poise on the mound. He looked like he belonged there. He looked like he was able to slow his, his breathing and his heart rate down and really attack hitters. You know, a little bit of a hiccup in that third inning, but the first two and the last two were, were very impressive. Uh, there's something he's doing with his fastball. We've seen it throughout his minor league career where he's had a lot of swing and miss at the top of the zone. It's not an overpowering fastball from a velocity standpoint, but from a deception and movement standpoint, you know, a longtime scout, good friend of mine, Don Welke, always said, hitters will let you know how good the pitcher is. You don't really have to write down a report. Uh, the hitters have been telling us for a long time that Joe Ryan is tough to hit. 
I think we saw that again in the major leagues in his debut. Got a lot of swing and miss. Top of the zone with a fastball that just has the appearance like it's rising at the last second, and guys are just missing it. So very encouraging for him. I think I think the poise was what stood out to me. The swing and miss was very encouraging, and I'm looking forward to his next start. Yeah, and the, and the velocity, too, and this was probably adrenaline because we saw 93-94 the first two innings, but then towards innings four and five, it seemed like it was more upper 80s. Did that pop up as you were kind of watching him? Was there any concern with his velocity dropping off uh, his last two innings? Certainly something to monitor. Uh, you know, I think you, you said at the outset, I, I think we're used to guys who are making their major league debut or quite frankly, even their AAA debut. You just see usually see a little bit of an adrenaline-induced spike in velocity. Uh, but, but, you know, what he ended pitching that game was a little bit below his normal velocity, something we'll, we'll continue to monitor. We have to keep in mind, you know, per your previous question, you know, he's well past his innings limit from the previous year. He also had the experience going to, to Tokyo and playing in the Olympics, which I think was probably very, very rewarding, but also quite draining for him, for him. So he, like some of our other pitchers who have been healthy all year and who have been pitching all year, we're really starting to closely monitor how they perform down the stretch because we don't want to per- push them too far past the point of fatigue. The other pitcher that came in that trade for Nelson, Drew Strodman, could we see him make a spot start or two? before the season winds down, or is he more in the plans for 2022? Well, he's in the next line of defense for us right now. I, I think if we were still working with a, the ability to expand our rosters past 28, I think you would very well likely see a guy like Drew Strotman and, and others, quite frankly, who have earned the right to, to get a look up here in the major leagues. Uh, the fact that we're limited to 28 right now uh, does require us to you know bring guys up a little bit more judiciously. So he, he's in that next line of defense for us. We're very encouraged by his progress, but still some work to be done there as he's uh, coming back from both an injury and missing time last year due to the, to due to COVID. So probably more of a, a prominent factor in 2022, but certainly somebody we could see before season's end. All right, we'll take our first break on our Sunday show. When we come back, we'll talk more about the roster difference now, September, from what teams could do and operate in the past. Is that like the way it's going now, or does he – Wish it would go back to going as high as 40. We'll talk about that and much more. It's a pitching-heavy focus show today. Twins and the Rays coming up. This is Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. And we'll continue with our Sunday show next on your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Corey Provis back with Thad Levine. Twins and the Rays coming up in just a bit. Luis Patino for Tampa Bay and Griffin Jacks will get the ball for the Twins. Last segment, uh, Thad, you referenced the new roster September management that teams are now capped at 28 guys. Uh, In past seasons, it was you can go as high as 40 if you wanted to. Uh, It was my biggest pet peeve in the sport. I'm glad that there's now a new way to operate, but that's just my opinion. What's yours? Do you like this new format or were you a fan of how it used to be? I, I was also not a fan of the 40 just because I felt as if you were playing some of the most important games of the season. I was less concerned about being able to go to 40. I was more concerned about the fact that one team could be playing at 36 and the other one could be playing at 28. And it just seemed to create such a competitive imbalance. Furthermore, I, I think just, you know, for the fans, it was always a little bit challenging to understand who is exactly was left in reserves for both teams and so just following along and for the more strategic minded fan, 
who try to map out how the, how the rest of the game's going to play out. It just was so convoluted and, and, and confusing. So I always was a fan of, I think we should have the same number. I think that the competition level should be uh, more the quality that you're bringing to the table than just the number of quantity. Uh, you know, and I think we just saw so many pitching changes late in games as a result of the depth that we had on our rosters. But to me, I, I would love to have a few more than 28. I'd like it to be the same number. Maybe we could have, you know, 32 or 33, but only 30 who are eligible for that night's game or something that, like that with a cap on the number of pitchers to reduce the number of pitching changes late. But uh, I would say, you know, per our, our previous segment, it, there, there are more players at AAA right now that we would like to take a chance on looking at, but you, you, you are limited to 28 players. So the notion of being able to audition some of your young players or even some of your veteran players at AAA who've earned a right to get, it, get a look at the big leagues, it's just a little bit more restricted right now. I like the fact that we're at the same number as our opposition, so there's a level playing field. I wouldn't mind having a few more players, though. Do you know why the union was was okay going down this path? Because it does rob, you know, guys a chance to to debut. It does rob a, a chance for a few guys, many guys, to get some service time going with their careers. Do you know why the union signed off on, on this uh, new way of, of dealing with September roster management? Well, I think I think there were some numbers run. So one thing that is also distinct about the, the roster limits right now is not only can we not go above 28, but we also can't go below 28. And I think uh, the, the commissioner's office may have shown a study that said if every team stayed at least at 28, but no more than 28 for the entirety of September, that actually was close to equaling the number of service days that the, the union was getting in aggregate. I'm not sure if that math works out perfectly well, but I think that was the sales pitch to the union, and they, and they were willing to participate. Getting back to pitching for a moment, I, I kind of eavesdropped on a, on a session with Derek Falvey and the Twins beat reporters the other day, and he was talking about the starting staff and how it's looked and how it may look moving forward in that you know, Derek was saying that the Twins have operated in kind of a traditional route where they've had a five-man rotation, a true five-man rotation, and next year it may be three or four starters, but then maybe some openers, but more bullpen games. Do you see it going in that direction and moving away from the, the five-man rotation that is traditional, that is the norm? The Twins have been going down that path a lot. But do you see it looking differently next season? I think we have the personnel to consider a lot of creative thoughts, the personnel on two fronts. One is, you know, we have, we have Rocco Baldelli at the helm as our manager and Wes Johnson heading up our p- pitching strategic planning, both of whom come from from, from very creative backgrounds, West from college, and and obviously Rocco was came up in the, the Tampa system, which has been as creative in deploying their pitching as, as any franchise, and we talked about their success earlier. So I think we've got some, some personnel on the front end that is capable of thriving in that type of creative environment. And two, we have this stable of young starting pitchers, mo- most of whom haven't really established themselves in the big leagues, some of whom have. We've seen down the stretch here a few of them dip their toes in the water and and really show some promise that I think we have this encouraging group of players that we think we could bring a lot of guys to the big leagues, maybe not all up by opening day next year, but over the course of next season, all of whom are capable of giving you three, four innings or more. And when you think, and you hearken back to some of the most successful starting pitchers in the game, a lot of them did break in as, as relievers and, and broken in, in these multi-inning relief roles and then kind of matured into the starting rotation. So I think, even if we were to proceed with that, it doesn't necessarily mean that would be where we'd go in perpetuity. But I think we're just trying to think of every strategic way to create competitive advantages in our starting rotation. 
the fact that we have this group, this wave of starting pitchers coming and then a wave right behind them gives us the latitude to be creative in this light. Also, you know, if we're going to be completely honest, we don't have guys who are clearly penned in to be in our rotation next year. A few who are trying to solidify those positions, but we the, the competition is pretty wide open for us right now. Does that list include about minor league players that, that you hope make an impact in some way with the pitching staff next season? You know, guys that, that we know by name but have had more or less lost seasons again because of injury, both this year because of health, last year because of no minor league season. So where do the guys like Winder and, and Canarino and Duran, where do they kind of fall in knowing that they have such high promise but we're working on almost now two years without being healthy and throwing full seasons? So, you know, th- those guys have probably been the, the ones who have been the most headline in that group, but we, we have a number of guys behind them. And, you know, I think we're, what we try to do, especially with pitching, but really with all prospects, is it's so difficult to name them and tell you exactly when they're going to arrive because each player has his own path to the big leagues. And as you mentioned, sometimes it gets a little bit waylaid by injury or even by a, a step back in performance. But I think we're very hopeful that those two guys will be, will be prominent in this discussion you know, we had hoped that maybe they'd be ready by opening day 2022, but if they come in the midseason or even towards the end of the season, we're, we're fine with that. We're not going to rush their development, and that's why I think we feel confident in the, just the numbers that we have down in the minor leagues. And we're also going to be active on the, the free agent market. This isn't to suggest that we're going to just turn it all over to the young guys and not try to complement them with the, the right types of veterans. I think we're just less fixated on – the notion that we have to go get three, four, five established starters this offseason. We're going to get a few, but then we're going to balance them out with the, the wealth of our farm system, which right now at the upper level seems to be our starting pitching. All right, we'll take our final break on our Sunday show. We'll come back and we'll get some health updates, not so much on pitchers. We'll see what's up with uh, Larnick, how Kirloff and Lewis are progressing with their uh, injuries as well. And also Bill Evers, a valuable member of the Twins coaching staff, announced that he is going to retire at season's end. We'll get Thad's take on that and much more as we come back and wrap up our show. It's Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. More next on your home for Twins Baseball. of Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Final three minutes here with uh, Thad Levine. Thad, I saw that uh, Trevor Larnick was put on the uh, minor league injury list with a hand injury. Is this severe enough to end his season? We hope not. We hope not. You know, I, I think I, I'd actually hearken back even further in terms of his injury history. It was a game in Baltimore where he got hit in the foot by a, a pitch and sustained a little bit of a, a, an injury to his, his ligament in his foot. And I think he really struggled to stay healthy after that. It then now has manifested itself. He, he's got a hand injury, which was culminated from getting hit by a pitch. I think he's been a little bit more battered and bruised. And, you know, this is, this is unfortunately part of your maturation as a, as a professional baseball player. Uh, he reported back that in his, you know, his whole collegiate career, he, he really hadn't missed time ever for, being hurt. He had never been hit by pitches to the point where he actually had to come out of games. And, you know, the brand of pitching up here is just, it's, it's so elevated. And so this is just something he's working through is the, the, the ability to play through pain. As I'm sure Danny can attest, like I've heard so many professional baseball players say the only day they felt perfectly healthy was opening day. And after that, they were battling something. And it's a matter of the guys who can battle through it, who really excel and have great careers. I think that's going to be the test for Trevor right now. But we got a lot of faith in him 
We know he's going to be a big part of this moving forward, and we know that this season is going to only help him become a better hitter. Hey, Thad, we have about 90 seconds left, so I want to wrap up the show with this. Uh, I read today that Bill Evers is going to retire at season's end. He's been a part of Rocco staff uh, since day one here in Twins territory. Did this catch you guys by surprise, or was this in the works for a while? This has been in the works for a while. You know, Bill is a class act, and he he came to – Rocco into the front office this spring training and kind of informed us that this was going to be his last season. I think he contemplated last year being his last season, but the COVID disruption, he didn't want to end it that way. But, you know, a lot of people in the game give their lives to the game of baseball. And I would say baseball has been utterly blessed to have Bill Evers give so much of his efforts and love and care and passion to the game of baseball. Such an exceptional contributor throughout his career with the Tampa Bay Rays, setting records in the minor leagues as a manager. And then what, what a great job he's done being Rocco's conciliary as Rocco's gotten his feet underneath him in what is going to be a storied major league uh, managerial career. And, and Bill's been by his side for every step of that. And I'm quite certain, even though he's going to retire, he'll be on the phone with Rocco very consistently in, in years to come. Hey, Thad, always enjoy the conversation. Thanks for joining us on this uh, Sunday morning. Enjoy the game today. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, we thank Thad Levine for his time and his candor. Twins and the Rays coming up in just a bit. It'll be Griffin Jacks. And Luis Patino, the pitching matchup today from Tropicana Field as the Twins look to salvage one in this three-game series. Then the road trip continues to Cleveland for a four-game set beginning on Monday night. Stay tuned. More to come. It's going to be Chris Atterbury in today's Edina Realty lineup card. And then we'll have game three coming up at 1210 Central Time. We thank you for joining us. Chris's pregame is coming up next on your home for Twins Baseball. You've been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Locally owned and operated, it's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.